Brian McClanahan Show, episode 264. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Show. Glad to have you back in the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Brian McClanahan. Like my Facebook page at Brian McClanahan. And of course, subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast at Brian McClanahan. You don't want to search for all those social media accounts. Just go to my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, McClanahan.com. At the top of the page, you'll find all my social media buttons. While you're there, give me an email address and I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support The Brian McClanahan Show while you're there by clicking on that support tab at the top of the page. Click on that. You can give me a few bucks, a few pennies, whatever you got. Help keep these lights on. Help keep the podcast going. Anything you do want to contribute is greatly appreciated. You can also buy your book plates there if you want my autograph on any one of my six books. Just buy one of those book plates. I'll sign it for you, send it out, stick it on your book. You're good to go. The best way, though, to support the show, and this is a great... Uh, segue into what we're going to talk about today is by going to mclanahanacademy.com. mclanahanacademy.com. It's always free to enroll at mclanahanacademy.com. And I give you a free course, 10 Myths of American History, when you do enroll. But here's the thing. Those that enroll get the best deals on forthcoming courses. You find out about forthcoming courses first. And today, if you're watching this podcast or listening to it on October 22nd, is the day that I have released my newest class, United States History, 1865 to the present. It is out. If you are already a McClanahan Academy subscriber, you knew about it about a month ago, and you've been able to purchase it for a really deep discount. That's all gone now, but you still can get a discount because if you're listening to this before the end of October till October 31st, I am offering it for a discount. But That's what this podcast is going to be all about today. It's going to be about a subject in that particular class. I want to try to whet your appetite, get you interested, but I've got a ton of stuff there. In fact, this class is the second half of my U.S. History Survey course, the history survey course you wish you had in college or high school. It can be used as a homeschool curriculum. It's 108 lectures, including reading seminars, suggested reading, quizzes, tests, all kinds of stuff. It is a comprehensive homeschool curriculum, but you can also use it if you're not a homeschooler. You just want to have a great U.S. History Survey course for a fraction of what you would pay if you went to a college or a university to take this kind of class. I mean, it's 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 uh, embarrassingly low compared to how much you would pay there if you took it at a community college even. You would pay twice as much as what you would pay just to get this uh, both halves of this class. So it's it's amazing uh, how much money you'd save. And of course, you get an awesome class. And I've got other stuff there. I mean, other classes that are college-level courses as well, or you can use them for lifelong learning, whatever you want to do with them. But that is the way that I support the podcast through the McClanahan Academy. So be a McClanahan Academy subscriber and get your classes. I give all these podcasts away free of charge. And so this is a way that I try to uh, help support the podcast as well through McClanahan Academy. But I've got this new class out. You're going to want it. I'm going to talk about it today. Uh, Also, don't forget to get your Brian McClanahan Show gear while you're at brianmcclanahan.com. Click on that uh, at the top of the page. You'll see a thing that says shop. Click on that. You get all my, uh, my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. So click on that. Advertise the show. Think locally. Act locally. 
great way to do it. Um, and so that's, I mean, this is the theme of the show. Now, McClanahan Academy, let's talk about this new class. Let's talk about one subject. The final unit in the class is the triumph of progressivism. Now, I saw a social media post the other day. I think it was from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or somebody like that. And uh, they were saying that um, those that believe that somehow the, uh, the progressives have won forget all the ways that the right really is winning everything. And this is interesting to me because um, they, they use things like Fox News or Rush Limbaugh or, I mean, they, they pick up things like that. Number one, cable news. Number one, radio program. They don't realize how progressivism has completely transformed American society. In fact, I'm going to give you some concrete examples how this is the case that progressives in the last hundred years have completely won. Now, this is not something I'm saying that's a good thing, but it's true. So let me give you an example of this. Tulsi Gabbard, who by no means is anything but a progressive except in foreign policy. I mean, this is where people are jumping on board Tulsi Gabbard and saying, my gosh, we got to go vote for Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard is a, is a progressive through and through, except in foreign policy. Um, she is by no means a progressive in foreign policy. At least what she says. Okay, This is the only thing. Now, on the other hand, you have Hillary Clinton come out this week and attack her as a Russian agent. She's a Russian agent. This is where we are in 2019 in terms of how ingrained progressivism, progressivism has become in foreign policy. George W. Bush was a progressive in foreign policy. Barack Obama certainly was a progressive both foreign and domestic policy. Bill Clinton was a progressive in foreign policy. George H.W. Bush was a progressive in foreign policy. Ronald Reagan was a progressive in foreign policy. I think Jimmy Carter, uh, well, Jimmy Carter was a progressive in foreign policy in some ways. In some ways, he wasn't. He was kind of a, a, a unique case. But then you go back to Gerald Ford, Richard Nixon, go all the way back to Woodrow Wilson and Teddy Roosevelt, and we see that this disease of progressivism in foreign policy has become so ingrained in American society that if you buck the trend, if you say things like, you know what we shouldn't be doing? We shouldn't be empire building. We shouldn't be uh, involving ourselves in every little country around the globe. We shouldn't have a military base in 100 plus countries around the world. We shouldn't do that. But you see, that's what progressive foreign policy really is. There's little doubt that Wilsonian interventionism has become the standard for American foreign policy, and that is progressive. Woodrow Wilson was not a conservative in foreign policy. He was just a stronger extension of Teddy Roosevelt's speak softly but carry a big stick. And not only that, a stronger extension of Taft's dollar diplomacy. He did both. From that point forward, the United States has never abandoned a progressive foreign policy. You can say there was a little hiccup there in the 1920s, perhaps, with Harding and Coolidge, and maybe even Hoover to an extent. But certainly by the time we get Franklin Roosevelt, we've never demobilized. This is something I point out over and over again in my newest course, United States History, 1865 to the present. When Ron Paul stands up and says, you know what? 
You can't understand American domestic policy unless you understand American foreign policy. He's 100% correct. If you don't get a hold of American foreign policy and understand that it drives domestic policy, we're lost. And so when Trump comes out and says, you know, I'm going to take, we're not, we don't have to be in the Middle East for, we don't have to support the Kurds forever. There's nothing in the Constitution that says that. You know, NATO's a bad idea. We shouldn't do that either. He's called a Russian asset, a man who's trying to get the Russians to interfere in our elections and, and uh, uh, you know, destroy American democracy. And if Tulsi Gabbard stands up and says, you know, um, the fact is, uh, we don't need to be in the Middle East. Oh my gosh, Hillary Clinton, you're a Russian asset. Jill Stein, a Russian asset. Simply by trying to pursue a policy that's peaceful and peace-oriented. You know, the most peaceful thing you can do with a country is trade with them. It really is. You want to make people like you? Trade with them. Stop trying to involve your military and everything everything they're doing. I mean, look, we are involved in the most minute details of so many countries around the globe that they start to hate us. This is what the CIA calls blowback. Read, G- uh, I'm sorry, um, uh, Kinzer, Stephen Kinzer's Overthrow. It's a fantastic book. In my 1865 The Present Course, I signed one of his books, All the Shaw's Men, but his book Overthrow is really good. Uh, he also has The True Flag. I mean, he's got so many books on American interventionist foreign policy. It's great stuff. But I assign that All the Shaw's Men because I think it's critical to understand American Middle East foreign policy and where it comes from, and it comes from the CIA. So we have a progressive society in foreign policy. We have a Wilsonian society in foreign policy. Just by saying we're going to make the world safe for democracy and we need to protect democracy. And we need to, I mean, our democracy is a threat if we don't support these Kurds in the Middle East. Our democracy is a threat. It is? Because we're not supporting the Kurds? Military adventurism is the bane of democracy. Military adventurism is the bane of liberty. When you get involved in those things, you destroy any vestige of traditional government because you have to expand the powers of the central authority to make all of that work. But progressives... If you look at Woodrow Wilson and Edward Mandel House and the Philip Drew Administrator book, uh, where he essentially says, look, what we need is uh, a war in Europe to get this centralized dictatorship in America. I mean, this is what Wilson got. It's what he needed to make his policies work. Um, I remember years ago when Glenn Beck actually figured out that book existed, and I had been teaching it for, for gosh, years at that point. Um, and how this was, oh my gosh! Funny stuff. I mean, better late than never, but um, this is why you should listen to this podcast. I'm on the cutting edge of so many things. Now, it's not just foreign policy, but in that particular presentation, that unit on the triumph of progressivism, I talk about all the different ways in which progressivism is actually won. A couple of episodes ago, I talked about George Soros getting involved in funding left-wing activities at the local level. Uh, Because this is where he's understood now that the rubber meets the road. I had somebody email me the other day talking about how Antifa is getting involved in all kinds of of local government issues because they understand, again, this is where the rubber meets the road. They know they can't win 
at the central level because they know there's enough there's enough against them there that they're not necessarily going to win, but they figure out they can overwhelm a city council meeting. They can get people elected to the city council. Why? Because these people are aggressive and government is their religion. So they worship it. They think everything is solved or should happen through government. They get involved in all of your local government organizations, at least is what they're starting to do. And they start affecting change that way. Now, this is why I've told you from the beginning on this podcast, you need to be involved in your local school boards. You need to be involved in your local government. You need to get out and join your local civic organizations. If you are certainly someone who wants to affect change, you need to be doing those things because you can make a difference, but at the local level and the state level, of course, too. So, uh, this, I mean, again, George Soros is pumping millions of dollars into local issues because he understands this is how they can make things change. And the way that he's doing it, the area he's focusing on the most, is education. It's why I created American, uh, I'm sorry, American, it's why I created McClanahan Academy. It's why I created my American history courses, but it's why I created McClanahan Academy to begin with, because this is really the key, education. The way that the progressives won is through education. Think about all the ways now that we actually view things through the lens of progressivism, whether it's a social issue, whether it's an economic issue, whether it's a, a foreign policy issue, it all comes down to education. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is a byproduct of the American education system. She grew up in it. She went to a public university. She had left-wing professors, all these worn-out hippies that can't do anything else. They go and they get jobs in colleges and universities because that's the only place they can do anything. They can't do anything else. They don't know how to do anything else. And they openly admit that their job is indoctrination. Our job, they say, is to ensure that people start to think like us. Because it's proselytizing. This is a religion to them. Again, this is how they view their role in society. Education and the state are gods. I remember uh, when I was in high school, I went through a public education system, and I was... It took me a while to get out of that indoctrination. I talked about this on the Tom Woods show when I did the McClanahan Week there. It's hard. You get in that indoctrination, it's hard to get out of it. But I did a, there was a play entitled You Can't Take It With You. And I was into theater when I was in high school. I did acting. And I was in this play, and uh, there was a line in there. there was a, a, it's about a, a crazy family. And one of these sons in this crazy family, or grandsons in the crazy family, Uh, is writing communist literature. And uh, one of the lines he uses is, God is the state, the state is God. This is certainly how progressives think. God is the state, the state is God. They worship it. Now, it doesn't mean that every progressive necessarily thinks that way, because then you have the social gospelers that want to use the government to usher in the kingdom of heaven, and so they're going to have social legislation. Um, You know, We're going to have the war on drugs, for example, or we're going to have... Um, the war on alcohol, whatever it is. Uh, so they're going to try to use the state to do those things, and the central authority, more importantly, but even at the at the local level, they use it that way. The war on sin, and it's going to be legislation to do that. Uh, but not. But beyond that, I mean, I'm not talking about the merit of this. If that's a good idea or a bad idea, it's just this is where progressivism actually wins. But certainly, education is a key to all of this. 
And one of the most important figures in that is is uh, John Dewey. Now, I wrote about John Dewey in my Politically Incorrect Guide to Real American Heroes. John Dewey is one of the anti-heroes. And I just want to go through a little bit of that chapter. It's one of my favorite chapters in the book. Um, and give you a couple of quotes and a couple of things that Dewey said. Uh, first of all, this is what he said about education. I believe, quote, I believe that the teacher is engaged not simply in the training of individuals, but in the formation of the proper social life. I believe that every teacher should realize the dignity of his calling, that he is a social servant set apart for the maintenance of proper social order and the securing of the right social path. I believe that, the, that in this way the teacher always is the prophet of the true God and the usherer in of the true kingdom of God. Now, the teacher is the social servant for the proper social life. Because Dewey, in the next, and let me give you another quote from, from Dewey. Um, Dewey says, I believe that the true center of correlation on the school subjects is not science, nor literature, nor history, nor geography, but the child's own social activities. You hear this a lot when you start talking about, you know, how do your kids get socialized? You send them to school for socialization, so they learn how to interact with other kids, so that kids become the dominant role in their life. And this is by design. Parents take a back seat. The school becomes the center. Dewey actually calls schools laboratories because his entire purpose was to create the proper social order. And you think about what progressives talk about. Social justice warriors, the snowflakes, whatever you want to call them, are focused on every, everything you know, in, in, in terms of social issues. How do we socialize? How do we properly, I mean, how do we say the right things around people? How do we make sure that people don't feel bad? How do we make sure that uh, we're, we're in a situation where everyone feels like they can get a trophy? This is all the result of Dewey's social crusade through education. Now, I talk about this in the class, and I talk about it in the, in the unit on how education really has changed everything. But this is the goal. This is the proper role in the progressive's mind of education. And this is why education becomes the key. They figured out that a five-year-old is a young mind of mush. Get him to say the Pledge of Allegiance, which is a socialist pledge. And they'll believe it for the rest of their lives. They will say it for the rest of their lives. And not even thinking about it. They'll think, you're not American if you don't say the Pledge of Allegiance. You're not a real patriot if you don't say the Pledge of Allegiance. You know what else? If you say anything that hurts somebody's feelings, well, you've just committed a social crime. This is where we get into thought police, right? I mean, this is Orwell. He's pointing it out in 1948. 1984 wasn't supposed to be a guidebook. It was supposed to be a warning. But it's become a guidebook for what the left really wants to do. I mean, Orwell was so prescient. Or prescient, I should say. He was so prescient. He understood it. Animal Farm. Same thing. He understood it. So Dewey is creating an environment through his education system 
that has transformed America. And it is the driving, it's the catalyst behind Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, behind the squad, behind Barack Obama. Look, the reason Barack Obama was elected is because people wanted to feel good about themselves. There's no other reason. And the fact that Donald Trump didn't get 50% of the popular vote, look, conservatives, if you want to say it's conservative, are in the minority in America. Progressives have won. And it's because of education. I say, naturally, Dewey was a committed proponent of the professionalization and indoctrination of teachers through teacher education. What Americans used to call teachers' colleges are today integrated into practically every university in America. Educators complete dozens of credit hours in education courses where they learn less about the subject matter that they will be teaching than about educational theory, the type of theory John Dewey pushed on his eager graduate students. These courses are more indoctrination than education, and it is only worse for advanced degrees. Often graduate students obtain a master's or degree or doctorate in education, uh, take few, if any, courses in any field outside of education. They write dissertations on classroom management, educational theory, student interaction, and educational statistics, and ultimately bloat public school systems, administrative rosters, and budgets while offering programs to fix an educational system broken by their theories. It's a vicious cycle. Innovations that Dewey made popular include the child-centered method of instruction, the socialization of children through the school, and the politically correct curriculum of the modern era. School, he believed, was primarily a social institution and should, serve to, should serve, serve, excuse me, to stimulate this child's social service. Education was not, quote, a preparation for future living. It was itself, quote, a process of living. Progressives knew that schools could become the ideal breeding ground for progressive ideas. And so they have been. Ever since the progressive movement got control of them, just consider the inroads that feminism, Marxism, and environmentalism have made on the traditional history and science curricula. One of Dewey's disciples, George Counts, went so far as to advocate a new social order built by the public school system. Dewey did reject this idea late in life, but the acorn didn't fall far from the tree. Uh, Dewey said this, I believe that it is the business of everyone interested in education to insist upon the school as a primary and most effective instrument of social progress and reform in, in order that society may be awakened to realize what the school stands for and arouse the necessity of endowing the educator with sufficient equipment properly to perform his tasks. The business of everyone interested in education to insist upon the school as a primary and most effective instrument of social progress. Now, how do you define that social progress? What is that? What is social progress? Well, Dewey does. He talks about it. Dewey railed against teacher-directed learning. That was traditional and authoritarian, he believed. Dewey's case for child-centered instruction has given rise to group projects focusing on hands-on learning, the abandonment of traditional rote memorization, the relentless... Emphasis on social skills, social interaction, and social responsibility. The loss of a healthy competitive environment in school. The proliferation of activities for building self-esteem. And the gradual eradication of the content of the traditional ed American education curriculum. Everything from history that includes actual dates to math where the students actually learn to figure compound interest. Dewey is the culprit behind the dumbed-down education 
and the scandalous pr promotion of failing students in public schools. Children left to, their, to direct their own education will naturally gravi gravitate toward easier work, less challenging questions, and fewer memorization exercises. They want less bang for the buck. Dewey's made it possible for them to get that just that from our schools. So, this is where a course like my McClanahan Academy is dangerous to the modern education system. It doesn't mean that there aren't teachers out there doing these things. There are good teachers that teach great, I mean, teach great, have, give, give great lectures all over the United States. But the problem is the curriculum that they're assigned to teach, they have to try to move away from it. And then they're, and I get emails from teachers. I, I try to teach something you're saying, but I, I mean, the, the, the faculty is watching me. Uh, the administration's watching me. I don't know if I'll be able to keep my job if I do this because I'm not teaching out of the textbook anymore. I'm not teaching to the test. My my uh, my statistics are not in line with what they want. So this is a, a, see because it becomes a business. So progressivism has completely won, and and I mentioned look, I mean you come out of school. You believe in feminist uh, feminist ideas, environmentalist ideas, Marxist ideas. You believe in all of these things because this is what you're taught from the time you're five years old. It's very hard to break that. You believe in the American empire, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You believe that it's patriotism it's to have the national anthem played before every single thing. It's patriotism. Or maybe you don't. But certainly, um, if you're a certain type of progressive, maybe you don't. But regardless, that still is a progressive idea. I mean, look, we didn't have a national anthem until Franklin Roosevelt. I mean, we had the, the Star Spangled Banner as an important song, but it wasn't really until we got to Roosevelt that this became something that we were going to do for everything. I was talking to a, a colleague of mine who's in his 80s, and he says, you know, look, I remember World War II. I remember that. I remember uh, how before World War II, uh, nobody really had the U.S. flag up anywhere. But after World War II, it was everywhere. It was everywhere. People started flying it everywhere. So this type of nationalism was created by progressivism. I mean, this is where, again, progressivism, progressivism has completely won. It has transformed American society. Transformed it entirely. The triumph of progressivism is complete. The fact that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is making as much waves as she is and offering things like the Green New Deal and uh, the uh, a new program for uh, economic justice, which comes down to employment, right? I mean, you got every employer's got to give you so many sick days and all these things. This is all part of the progressive agenda. Now, I'm not certain any of that's going to get passed, but I can guarantee you if the Senate wasn't in the hands of right-wing progressives, it would get passed. And if you had a president that was a progressive, it would get passed. So it's coming. I mean, look, the, the day is coming because of American education. That's why McClanahan Academy is so important. That's why I want you to get these classes. If you're listening to this podcast, you know, I'm, I'm preaching, this is my echo chamber, I'm preaching to the choir here, but if you have these things, you can you can uh, debate your friends and enemies alike, and talk about the real issues. I know Tom Wood sent out an email. Somebody that listens to Tom, 
and uh, has um, was debating one of his professors on the New Deal and how, look, Herbert Hoover was the architect of the New Deal. No, 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 that's not true. The professor doesn't, professors don't know. These people don't know. They don't know because they've been taught their entire life that Herbert Hoover was a guy that was trying to cut government spending and and uh, he was cutting taxes and he was trying to make everyone suffer. He wasn't going to spend a dollar on people and suffering. We know this is simply not true. We know that Hoover was the architect of the New Deal, that taxes were going up, spending was going up, that Roosevelt actually campaigned against Hoover as a tax and spend guy. We're going to cut spending, cut taxes. That's what ca- Roosevelt campaigned on in 1932. Of course, once he gets in office, he does exactly what Hoover was doing, just on steroids. But this is, I mean, where progressivism has become so ingrained. You know, we've got uh, the the attack on the founding generation, the war on history, which I talked about in the last podcast. I mean, look, that's true. There is a war on history in America. That book could have punched harder, but there is a war on history. And it's a war on history that's being... being, uh, waged in our education system because of people like John Dewey. So this triumph of progressivism doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to stay that way. There are ways to combat it. Certainly by getting involved and thinking locally and acting locally and trying to outmuscle these people at the local level. And I say outmuscle them, I'm not talking about violence. I'm talking about just going in and getting voting, getting involved in local politics. There's a lot of us. And you can control your local communities. You can control your local school boards. You can get rid of this nonsense. You can have your school board hire people who aren't progressive. You look for it. You seek it out. I don't want a progressive running the school. I want real education here. I want education that's not dumbed down. I don't want every social innovation in the school. The school board can determine those things. They, the school board hires the superintendent who hires the principals. And so therefore... You could change the entire education culture, but you got to get involved and you got to understand that the left is starting to figure these things out too. They've already known it, but they focus so much of their attention on the center, on the national government, getting rid of Trump, that they've forgotten about these things. In some ways, that's a good distraction because maybe now you can get in and get involved in these things. So get involved in your local government, get involved in your local school boards, get involved in all these things because this is how you affect change in America. And we could turn around this triumph of progressivism. But it's a great unit. It's one of my favorite units. I've got a lot of great stuff in that course. 18 units, 54 lectures. It's out now. It's on sale till the end of October. You're going to want it. I've also, I'm going to drop the prices of all my other courses till October 31st. You're going to want to get pick those up too. So if you're not a McClanahan Academy subscriber, you're listening to this, you don't know anything about it, go out to McClanahanAcademy.com. Uh, look for the email that I'm going to send out with this. Get in, get in my email list. Uh, I'll send out the code, the coupon code. Um, so you're going to want that. Get the deal while you can. I will see you next time on The Brian McClanahan. Show.